A long line of mortals stretches out across a field. They all appear to be tired, well-worn from the roads, but hopeful. As they all look at the miraculous sight in front of them, the immense, the powerful, the hard-to-fathom, Red Walls of Agmar. Once a bastion for an oppressive regime, and now a place that holds hope for many. Our camera closes on one wagon. A pair of donkeys stamp at the ground, and a family sits there, two parents and their child asleep on their laps, looking very bored. When, from behind them, a purplish light begins to glow. As they kind of get their wits about them and realize what's happening and slowly turn around to look over their shoulders, a chime rings out and a doorway appears. In the middle of this doorway is nothing but purple, kind of swirly, starry light, and what appears to be a turnstile. They kind of start scrambling backwards a little bit. One of them scoops up their still-waking daughter, and their eyes are wide, and before they even get a chance to call out or question what they're seeing, they start hearing muddled voices. And then... They see this turnstile perfectly in the center of this doorway. Kind of chunk, one over. And a form is thrown from the portal. Seemingly as if it was thrown through high speeds. And this form lands, making this huge crash right on top of their cart with all of their earthly, earthly belongings, making a huge mess. And as the portal continues to swirl, this figure kind of stands up, brushes themselves off, maybe gets their bearings a little bit, and then sees the red walls of their home. Now, which of the Golden Tree Adventuring Guild are the first to be deposited? So you see this portal open up in the air with this turnstile, and all of a sudden it turns... And through the air, you can just hear the screaming of a certain rocky dwarf yelling, Are you sure this is safe? And then, poof, against the cart. As he picks himself back up, you see that this dwarf is short, like all dwarfs are. But his arms and legs are encrusted in this, like, dull brown stone. And all across the skin that is not covered by stone or heavy metal armor, 
are these golden spirals that indicate his allegiance to his patron, the Eternal Citadel. Scattered on the ground next to him is his trusty warhammer as he picks it back up and kind of like puts it back in the the strap, the holster, writing himself in front of this family, trying to make himself presentable before gazing back at the portal and looking at the walls of Agmar. Oh my, oh my god, who 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 are you? What's happening? What's happening? These poor people, uh, again, aren't running away. The people of Rixia have relatively steely nerves compared to us Earthlings. They see a lot of shit. But they're, they're oh my gosh, oh my god, what's happening? Are you okay? Are we okay? What? Oh my god, who are you? And this dwarf turns to the family and says, I'm Kaskrin Brightmane, a dwarven warlock. <laughs> How did I get here? What happened? As Kaskrin is picking himself up and introducing himself to the startled family, a large green frog drops out of the portal and falls directly on top of Kaskrin, making this boing <laughs> sound as it just flattens Kaskrin back to the ground. And you see the form of a four-foot-tall spherical green tree frog that has just landed perfectly on top of Kaskrin and just appears to be sitting there, hanging out. And another chunk comes out of the turnstile and a small-sized blue frog wearing a tricorn hat, a leather cloak, and a kilt flies out of the portal, lands directly on top of Mango, the green tree frog, and bounces out of the way onto the dirt road. The little, the little kid is just like rubbing their eyes now, you know, having been kind of shaken and hearing all this commotion. What? What's happened? Who are you? What? And as Checkers, the blue frog, hits the ground, slices of pizza go flying out from him. <laughs> <laughs> and then this little kid, no one, no one in the family is like paying attention to this, but the little kid has like a slice of pepperoni just on their head, just like slowly slide. And finally, a third chunk comes out from the turnstile as a tiny green tree frog flies out from the portal and lands directly on top of Checker's tricorn hat as Checker scrambles to collect all these dirty pepperoni pizza slices and puts them back in his little to-go box. And this is Checker's, the Grung Druid, and his trusty frog pals, Mango and Junior. As this kind of violet portal with the turnstile in the middle of it makes its next turn as the form ejected is a six and a just under six and a half feet tall silver dragonborn and he has his staff kind of across his back and as he's thrown out the bottom part of the staff gets caught on one of the little turnstiles there is just a shout of Uh, look out! And as Selv Asterlin, the dragonborn monk, almost identical to the mango entrance, flies out, splayed, uh, (laughs) splayed with his legs and arms out, and flies forward onto this cart. In his right hand is a parchment-wrapped parcel that looks like it has been wrapped to look like the shape of an ox. (laughs) And as Selv hits the cart, this parcel flies from his hands uh, forward and onto the ground, and it kind of rolls on the ground, and this parcel looks like an ox on its side. 
Selv kind of collects himself and just kind of looks back at the portal because there is still a member of the party that needs to come through and based on Selv's experience could be coming through at high velocity. As Selv kind of turns to look back behind him, I imagine everyone on the cart just like slowly, now a pattern has been established (laughs) and looks over at this clearly waiting for something else to happen and a final ka-chunk turn of the turnstile happens and ejected is you would normally see Valeska's dark blue eye mask first but in true Valeska fashion she was peppering Lorana with questions and Lorana had to gently just push her backwards through the portals. <laughs> so Valeska falls backwards yep. in her leather-studded armor, and because she is five foot nothing, almost starts doing like a half flip before Selv just rights her, and she still crumples to the ground because she is not dexterous whatsoever, but avoids cracking her skull. In her crumpled pile, her Short brown hair, normally in braids, a bit disarrayed. And she stands up, shakes herself off, and tries to readjust her shield with the half-open eye and chalice on it. She looks back at the closing portal with dread and anguish in her eye as she just says, I forgot my detonating onion. The portal starts to close, but as it does, you hear a voice ring out, that of Lorana Moonglove. And in a very chipper, albeit maybe a little tipsy voice, you hear, thanks for the great time. See you in two weeks, I hope. And then the portal closes and is totally gone as if it was never there. The only sign that it ever was are four ejected guilders (laughs) amid probably a medium amount of broken property outside the walls of Agmar. There's just a moment, a beat of silence as everyone kind of gathers themselves, makes sure that they're okay, figures out where they are. A lone voice rises. Whoa, that was so cool! As the little kid stares eating a dirty slice of pepperoni pizza and cheering the return of the Golden Tree Guild. Welcome back, everybody, to Reckless Attack! Yay! Back in that's an entrance. That's right. (laughs) With with doggy bags and magical portals. Hell yeah, that's how we do it. I was trying to think of a different name for a mudslide, and none of them were appropriate. No, (laughs) mudslide alone, not great, not great. Uh, I couldn't think of a different, air quotes, bell peppers, happy hour Right, <laughs> right. Ugh, well, mm, no, no thanks. Yeah. No good, no good. Uh, the four of you have made it back to Agmar. It has been a long journey. It has been weeks that have felt like, I don't know, months of recording, certainly, <laughs> and episodes releasing. But you've come back and you've come back with a glimmer of hope. You believe you uh, you don't right now have the means to help fix 
the undead centurions, the bones who help guard this city. But you know someone who might have the means and you know what that person might want in exchange for that. But that is not a problem for tonight. What would you guys like to do? Kashkin will go up to the family and, like, you know, check on everyone, kind of explain the situation, and then also take something from his pocket and gives each of them a small little bag of chicken tenders. <laughs> <laughs> we were never here. <laughs> our our stuff, our stuff, the what, what do you, what? What's going on here? You hear another voice kind of ring out, and everyone kind of spins around, and you see a member of the Agmar Red Guard, one of the town guard here, and they kind of like, it's a relatively short individual, someone who is actually kind of head height to most of the members of this party, uh, and just kind of comes like clopping up on a pair of oversized boots. You see the familiar face of Jack Brill, the hedgehog? Hedgehog guard, right? Yeah. Okay. My brain was like, which of the other quilled mammals was he? (laughs) Let's start... The echidna guard, the the Sonic the Hedgehog guard, I don't know. And you see you see Jack Brill, one of the members of the guard, kind of looking very sternly and looking very confused until recognizing the four of you. Oh, oh wait, what are you guys? Are you, are Hi, you? Jack! Val waves enthusiastically at him. Oh, hi. Um, There's a bunch of damage. They came out of some weird portal, but all right, all right, hold on. Um, What's... That is true. We did come out of some weird portal. The sanctity of chicken tenders means nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, Jack, we were on, right now, my prevailing theory is a pocket dimension. And the creator of said pocket dimension was very nice to us. Oh, I can't say these things. As you say the word, I think we were in your mouth stops working. Gotcha. And you say, oh, don't worry, Jack. We were in a blo-. And you start, like, you're, like, jaw, like, locks, like a TMJ kind of thing. Mm. And just it stops, and you can't say anything for a couple seconds. What she means to say, Jack, is that we were next to this area, and we met with a magical, powerful sorceress who took us into her... Yep. Also, again, but for you, it's like you feel this, like, burning sensation, as if you've recently reconsumed... A jalapeno popper. Why are you guys having so much trouble saying that? <laughs> <laughs> As a reminder, uh, for for you all and for listeners at home, Lorana has enchanted her. Well, technically, she enchanted her jalapeno poppers. Um, has enchanted them so you can only give a couple of bits of information about her. You can say her name, and you can say that she is a sorcerer of some sort. But you know. And would now experience, you can't say anything about how you met, about where she was, about the city, kind of the layout. And maybe you guys had been read, you know, kind of had been told these kind of limitations before, or maybe you're actively being reminded of it right now, but you are not able to say anything kind of beyond, yes, Lorana Moonglove, powerful sorceress. She said she'd help us. End of story. As Selv is probably the only one left, Val will, like, look at him and be like, point to Jack Bro, like, which will just mind, like, actually. Help. I may be able to help explain, but give me one moment. And Selv will kind of reach into his pouch and pull out 
just a few gold pieces and uh, hand them to whoever seems to be the most in charge of the family. I will have you hand it to who, the person who is most aggressively in your face about it. Yes. I apologize for our landing. We did not have much control over it. And I am sorry for the inconvenience. I hope you are able to replace anything that was broken with this. They kind of like look at you, look down at the, the gold and look back and then kind of apprise the situation. And Jack is still just trying to figure this out, trying to read the room and say, how about the three of you? And he points to the family and your wagon and your, your animals and the four of you pointing at the guilders. Why don't you follow me to the front of the line and we'll get this figured out and taken care of no problem. The family kind of like uh, looks and just kind of seems seems placated by this at the moment and kind of hitch up their wagon and start kind of moving behind you guys. Val is just rubbing her jaw right now, still unable to verbally speak. I am going to wait until we get to a spot where we could talk to Jack a little more quietly before I will try to explain what happened. So you guys are walked past all of these other groups of travelers. Again, all kinds of mortals, and many of them give you kind of confused, mm, annoyed side eyes that, wait, they're cutting the line. <laughs> what the hell? You guys reach the giant grand doors of Agmar and are kind of ushered in. The family is kind of sent to one side, the same side that you guys entered in, which is kind of the the, the processing DMV area <laughs> of getting checked in, getting their stipend, their move-in stipend, uh, and all that good kind of paperwork stuff. And the rest of you are kind of just brought past all of that as Jack kind of just waves at the guards and says, you know, it's all, it's all good, all fine. And kind of like pulls around and turns to you guys it's like, um, so... I had heard that you guys weren't in the city. That's just something that we that we know. We like to know what guilds are in and aren't in. Are you okay? All good? We are back earlier than expected. That is true. But I think we are... I think we're good. I think we're okay. We just apparently can't talk very much about what we were doing. I think it's best if Fina Calvetta or perhaps one of the other members... Here's about what we have to say first, and then I'm sure that she will let the others know as appropriate. But I, th I think some of what we found while on our travels could be considered sensitive information. It would be best if she hears it from us first about our meeting. Uh, oh, uh, okay. I don't know that I'm technically able... What I can tell you is that I can tell her you're here... Do you want to meet as she's able? To, I don't know that I can say you need to meet tonight. It I don't. We, uh. No, you can't impose on Venus time. We would love to head back to the guild hall. And if you could just let Vina know we're back. And if she's available tomorrow or the next day, we would love to meet whether at our guild hall or at her office. That would be wonderful. Later tomorrow would be fantastic. I have one hell of a report to compile for her. Okay, I'll let her know. Welcome back. Thank um, you. We'll um, hand wave the usual declarations of any magical items that you may have obtained kind of in your travels. Oh, uh, one more thing. 
it just occurred to me, and he turns to Val, I don't mean anything. This wasn't me. Um, someone, and he's like, he kind of motions to like a pack he has around his shoulder mm-hmm. and is rustling around trying to grab something and pulls out a like small stack of papers. He says, someone uh, in the guard just asked next time any of us saw you to tell you here are the official forms for filing reports for any intel you may have. So that way you don't, when you file your reports, it's in, we don't, it's just, you get, you do this, you just do it in the way there. Oh, yes. See, I did that, but I had to add several pages because there wasn't enough space on the form itself to have all the necessary details included. Uh, but I appreciate these. Thank you very much. I'll use these. I, well, you know, I okay. ran out of my copies. You know, there would be more space if Cass or Checkers could cast enlarge on the sheet of parchment. Um, no, please don't do that. There's like slots and fi- it's not. And Cass Grin will say, I think we've got it from here and like goes to like slap his back and kind of like a, hey, good man. <laughs> uh, and then stops himself just before he impales his hand on you have a rocky dog. hand though you Maybe might be fine. able you might yeah. be able to you're the to one person off. who oh, can okay yeah he he does it and then just like hold on <laughs> he's like taking it back yeah. like, no one ever does that yeah. and sorry Jack for the family what they say is true and we're sorry about it okay we'll add that to the report and he just kind of like... Do you like, want me to write it? I don't, you know, I don't think I could write it up, but like should, I could try. I'm sure Kaskarin can do one just fine. And he'll look at Jack and be like, I think a group report would be appropriate. Why don't we all get together tomorrow? And he looks towards the rest of you and says, well, we'll write something up together. And he just looks around at you all kind of uncomfortable and then just kind of like clicks his boots together and like kind of, he has a little, a little long spear that he is carrying with him and kind of clumps it down and says, all right, sounds good. And then turns and you can hear him mumble under the bed. That did not go well. <laughs> uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And he heads over kind of the family to make sure everything is going well. As we make our way back to the guild hall, Selv is going to look at the others and then make no attempts to hide where he is going but it is very clear that the path back to the guild hall is taking him probably towards Pete's meats. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I'm as you guys are, you know, kind of cut to you guys all chomping on your cured meat of choice, uh, all of them on sticks or bags or what have you as world famous. Mm, I was going to say, I don't know. What's the, was there a meat version of like chocolatier? You know, where it's something a little more artistic than like butcher, butcher. right? Something no. more, something you know. He's a, he's a meat artist, like he's you a know? curist, right? Ex- a a curist, curist, I think, is a good one. A meatizen, like yeah. an artisan. <laughs> meat. I'm trying to find like sommelier, or right? Something. Yeah, that's but that's the vibe, <laughs> right? Sommelier, uh, sommelier. Yeah. <laughs> but leave in the comments. Um, and you see, you see, uh, renowned meat curist uh, Pete just kind of like sliding it probably very large bag of coins under (laughs) as he has just made yet another sale. You guys find yourselves right in the middle of Agmar. 
all around you are these kind of grand buildings, these leftovers from the age of the Pentarchy that have now been made into something new. You walk past the huge library, the site where you know you will have to do some things in the near future. And you even see the giant dragon skull that is just, uh, you know, not too far away from you. You are struck that, well, before, if someone had asked you, how how orderly is this city? All the streets impeccably straight. There are districts. There are all kinds of things. But having recently been where Lorana lives, this now seems like a chaotic mess of people, even late at night, of people, of activity, of life. That was actually one of the things I was going to ask was to compare this to to Lorana's and see if there were any any comparisons that could be made. So, for instance, even the layout. So, like, a, if there's a center fountain or the the main courtyard in Agmar, is that roughly the same spot that it appeared in Lorana's uh, city? Yeah, roll me a perception check. Okay. Twenty three. Yeah, I don't know that you would have noticed it. It was hard to notice. I mean, a lot was happening, obviously, as you're kind of being brought through Lorana's town slash city. But now that you're back, it's not so much that it is laid out the same, but it seems like the architecture is similar if you shaved off all the personality. Every, you know, here, a lot of the buildings, while fairly uniform in style, have at least some personality. And have a little bit different different look, different aesthetics. At Lorana's, everything was the same. Everything was a bit, was basically a rectangle, but evocative of that thing, which kind of just highlights the differences maybe to you all more than ever. So we had kind of a chaotic re-entrance to the city of Agamar, <laughs> but now that we're kind of sitting here enjoying this nice lemon pepper jerky from Pete's Meats, I do wonder, what's changed in the city since we last left? Because it's been about two weeks, and we know that the city of Crossroads has fallen, mm-hmm. and the city of Agmar has presumably been inundated with travelers and refugees. So are we seeing any result of that? Are people out in the streets? Are there any obvious kind of changes that we might take notice of? Mm-hmm. In addition to that, as we left the city, it was had just recently been attacked by multiple mothmen that were ripping apart bell towers and trying to disrupt Agmar's reality as we understand it. So is there any repairs happening or noticeable, I guess, noticeable repairs? Yeah, or, or, progress? or fallout or whatever. Uh, yeah. yeah, or like, this building had to be torn down because it was, wasn't was salvageable. This is really interesting to me because I was going to ask, I was going to ask, like, how are you guys feeling being back in Agmar and what does this kind of strike you? And I, I think I think it is lovely that thoughts are like, all right, what is different? You know, and what are we noticing and that kind of stuff? So I'm wondering, would you guys, now that you've had your meats... Uh-huh. <laughs> Would you guys be meandering around the city a little bit or would you, you know, kind of taking the long route home, so to speak, or just seeing what you saw as you were walking? So 
Taskrin, as we've been in the city a little bit more, was originally, like, dead tired on his sure. feet. Wanted nothing more after leaving the portal but to go home and rest. But now that we're back here, this is the first time in two weeks that Taskrin has been in a city that feels so lively. And so he is, like, eating his cured yeah. meat now with, like, a pep in his step and is turning around and saying, like, Hey, do you guys want to go out? <laughs> <laughs> like, we made it back. I mean, we still have work to do, sure. But this feels like a celebration to me. I could be convinced for a drink. And he's still got, like, bags under his eyes and everything. <laughs> well, again, you guys have gotten actually some, like, obviously you had a lot of kind of tough fights. But relatively speaking... Deepwood, you got to at least sleep in a bed. Um, it was a stressful time. It was a sad time, but at least it was bed sleeping. And then you didn't have to do a lot of overland travel. You got to rest a little bit with Darthon. But yeah, I, I also love the idea, though, that like Deepwood's not a bustling place. Right. And then you went to a literal graveyard with one person in it. <laughs> and that was it. Uh, and then to the terrible place that was Lorana's. It's just the the life of the marketplace and the people around in this evening is really like bringing life back to Kaskrin. Yeah. And we've established that Agmar is a city that doesn't necessarily have a peak time. There's always bustling happening mm-hmm. as like it's kind of a 24 hour or two sun mm-hmm. day rotation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> type of cycle that like there's never a dull moment there's there's, always people out and about you can always find a place that's open or someone who's walking around the street or something in Agmar I am also feeling revitalized after Pete's meets maybe we can go somewhere with uh, games uh, darts or uh, daggers and posts or um, something like that bar games I think I saw some of that over at Torch and Ports. I'm betting it's still open, actually. I don't know what time it is, but... I am always game for Torch and Ports. Yeah, and it is it is definitely... It is still early early enough in the evening. Like, it's not it's not like one in the morning or anything. It's like it's like the sun has just come down. And, you know, night is starting to set. We're still in that twilight exactly. kind of vibe. I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> to Boyo. To Boyo. Well, yeah, I was going to say it, but I'm really just there for Boyo. So, uh, so you guys, you guys are still like loaded up with all your adventuring gear, still wearing your armor. And, you know, it's not, you're not as road weary as you were because, you know, you got a little bit of time off your feet. And as you kind of are walking down this main stretch, you do see that activity and you start to see people around. As you guys are walking on this main strip, you can kind of see in the distance and it's, you don't really get to see much of it just because it's kind of the opposite direction in the city of where you're walking. But you can see from here is the Agmar transitional housing building. And you guys would know that, that this is where people who, who haven't already purchased a property or just kind of need a place to live or crash temporarily or long-term, that is where they go. It is always a place that people can kind of go to, no questions asked, don't have to pay for it. It is just part of living here in the city. You guys can see, and maybe you guys know to look for it because 
if there was a place where refugees would be, it would be there. And you can see very often there are wagons or what have you kind of parked outside, sometimes even people living outside, just for whatever reasons they decide to live out there. But now you can see several campfires, several wagons, and a lot of kind of shadows moving in the distance. It's hard to tell from this distance, but it seems relatively okay, relatively peaceful. People are there, people are milling around. There are some people who are sleeping outside, but people are just walking, people are tending to their fires, people are talking. And you can see that kind of in the backdrop as you guys are entering back into your home. And as you walk, you start to make a beeline for Torts and Ports. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hey everyone, Jonathan here with the mid-roll. If you're looking for the hottest frog memes around, join the Reckless Attack community on Discord. You can find a link to it in the show notes of our latest episodes or on our website, recklessattack.com. Want to support the show? Tell a friend or check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash recklessattack, where you can get access to our behind-the-screen talkback show as well as our new Reckless to Snack series, where we eat snacks, hang out, and just talk about whatever's on our mind. Thanks so much for listening to us, and we hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. As we are making our way to Torts and Forts, Val has a glow in her eye as she casts Sending and says to Berga, We're back! We're going... We're going to... <laughs> Sophie's counting on her fingers for the listeners. Come meet us. We're walking over now. We've missed you. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> Bring Hody. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the bar policy on pets is. Because if we bring Hody, we have to be called yeah, Prico. I think they have a stable outside, but if we bring one of them, we have to bring, bring all of them. That's and very that true. Includes I feel like they've really, like, yeah, uh, they've all bonded together. They are their <laughs> own stack. <laughs> Who is on top? It's got to is... be Taroth, 100%. <laughs> well, see, no. I feel like Taroth would, like, also use his creepy wing claws to hold Colaprico up sometimes. So, like, maybe... Yeah, while up. invisible. Like, yeah. <laughs> Taroth is definitely either the middle or the bottom of the stack. Taroth is not the top of the stack. <laughs> Val, in response, you get... Uh, it's 25 words, yeah. right? The first 15 of them are, Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, and... That just goes on for a while. Mm-hmm. And then there is there are is enough kind of ah that it must have counted as several more of the words. <laughs> and then finally a I'll meet you there. That's it. I forgot to say bring Etris. Val sends sending again with instructions. <laughs> Get Etris out of his lab. Please tell me he hasn't lost too many more digits, limbs. Or other body parts. 
please and thank you. <laughs> is that wow. 25 wow. exactly? That might have been 20, but what did it It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't count. And you hear, you know, an affirmative. You guys uh, start walking through the city. And yeah, there is just this kind of life and bustle. And even though you know this is nothing compared to what Agmar at peak hours, this is like Tuesday night in Agmar, basically, mm-hmm. where it's like, eh, people are out, a couple of people running to get groceries or going out for, for Thai food or whatever. It's not the main nightlife kind of night. Right, exactly. But but there is still kind of that thrum of authentic, authenticity and of life. You guys walk through the city and everything looks familiar. You take kind of your familiar turns off of the main street to your semi-familiar haunt, Torts and Ports, the tavern, slash bakery, slash maybe inn, it's not clear. And you guys kind of throw open the door. There's like three people in there, (laughs) not including the bartender, Hira. A cheer breaks out, mostly from Hira and Berga, your guildmaster who sits there in her wheelchair already with a bunch of ales sitting out for you guys <laughs> and the two of them and Berga's horrible imp familiar Taroth <laughs> let out two very nice heartwarming cheers and one kind of blood curdling cheer and welcome you back into the city of Agmar as you just hear one as in the corner the large sized St. Bernard, Boyo, lets out one bark to announce your arrival. Kaskrin is straight up, like, tearing up. <laughs> because he, is, he has not seen something so magnificent as, one, someone waiting for him, and two, a full round of beers ready to go. <laughs> yep. That he is just like, he goes and gives Berga, like, the biggest bear hug. Oh, yeah. It is, like, the full metal alchemist. Like, just big, beefy people just squeezing each other extremely yeah, hard, but yeah. in a very nice, consensual way. Cass feels like a pat, like a swat on his back. Like, get out of the way. <laughs> My turn. <laughs> As Val's trying to get in and also give Virgo. Right. Yeah. And it, it just, I imagine, just turns into a. Uh, a, a group hug at some point and, and Berger's just like oh I'm so like, you're back so early I thought from your last messages I thought you were going to be uh, m- much later I don't, oh that's so exciting I, uh, you're back and you're all safe and oh, what great news and, and uh, congratulations congratulations there is something that I want to take note of mm-hmm. when I get close to Berger when we all go in for, for the hug yeah Berga has this object of focus embedded in her chest. Mm-hmm. I want to take note of the ring that I am wearing mm-hmm. and see if there's any kind of reaction mm. between the ring and the object of focus that Berga has. Roll me a perception check. 18. You have a hard time, self, of distinguishing, but... You can't tell if kind of the the feelings of warmth are coming as part of a reaction, this sort of interaction, or if it is just your kind of genuine interaction in this moment. But certainly at minimum, you are filled with that kind of a nice feeling. So I imagine the night wears on 
a little bit. Yes. Kaskrin is at the table. He's already had a few too many drinks when they were cheaper at Lorana's happy hour. <laughs> and, now, and much more sugary. Yes, and much more sugary. So he really doesn't know how many he's had. And now he has a few more, and he's feeling good. Like, this is exactly what he wanted when he came home. And I imagine everyone else is kind of like around celebrating or in their own drinks and their own food. At some point during the night, Kaskrin says, We almost didn't make it back here, but, you know, I think that might have been the most fun I've ever had traveling anywhere. And obviously, you know, bad stuff happens. The wilds are dangerous. I get it. But I can't remember the last time I felt so alive. We did something these last few weeks. I feel like we made a difference somehow. And Checkers is over in the corner sharing dusty pieces of pizza with Taroth. <laughs> and he... And Boyo, presumably. And, and Boyo, yeah. And uh, he perks up and he just goes, well, Kaskin, you don't really get out that much, do you? <laughs> and the mood is immediately dampened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying. It was fun. It was hard. It was sad sometimes. But it showed me a lot about myself and about the people that I'm with. I personally can't wait to go flying again. And Selv will look over at Cass, kind of put a a clawed hand on his shoulder and say, I understand that is not your thing, but it was exhilarating. I think not my thing might be understating it a little bit, Selv. But I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, Berga cackles at that. <laughs> Just the, at the image of you doing any amount of flying. <laughs> yeah, and we saw the dragon, too, coming out of that portal, and that was awesome. And Checkers just kind of launches again into that same reenactment <laughs> that he had <laughs> with the portal. And he's doing it for Taroth this time, so he can show him the true magnificence of what the group has experienced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Taroth, you should have seen it. It was like this. <laughs> Destruction. Yes. Val will nod slightly and say, it was an incredible trip, and there are so many ups and downs that occurred throughout and I'm really glad I got to experience all of it with you with me yeah you're included in that checkers nice. you and the whole frog <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> I, 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 I imagine checkers just kind of not to be like nice nice <laughs> cool nice yeah Berga at that I imagine if Kaskrin and Val are close enough she pushes her wheelchair kind of between you guys and actually just puts one of her big hands on each of you and you can see her face is wet from tears and she is smiling at the group of you guys and just is beaming, just overwhelmed with emotion and through these tears and her big smile just says, yeah, it is it is a difficult life 
adventuring, but it is hard to explain to those who have not done it how terrible and beautiful it can be. Val will just kind of lean over in her chair and like rest her head on Berger's shoulder and just nod into it. Puts a hand around your shoulder. And Casclinton tries not to bring the moment down too much, but he kind of rustles in a side pouch and pulls out the four guild badges of the old Golden Tree Adventuring Guild and shows them to Berga, sees a recognition in her eyes, but very quickly brings it to a celebration, a moment of closure for these adventurers who did what they loved doing. And even as he passes them closer to Berga as now more mementos than anything else, Kaskrin would raise his glass and say to the Golden Tree Adventuring Guild, to Adatar, to Gathorn, to Gabriella, and and Catherine, the four guilders that we filled the presumably very large shoes of. Berga sees this. She just looks up at you guys and is confused and is emotional and sad but kind of juts out her chin a little bit and kind of sits up straighter and raises what little is left in her who knows how many ale and she says yeah to the golden tree and then just slams the beer throws it down on the ground shatters it and orders another round for everybody there is more drinks, there's more food, there's more cheers, there's more toasts, there's more crying. So much crying. So much crying. <laughs> um, you so guys. much cheese given to Boyo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the night wears on, and you guys know you have a lot ahead of you tomorrow, and even more ahead of you in the days and weeks ahead. That is not what tonight is for. You guys celebrate what you were able to accomplish. You celebrate each other. And the night goes on exactly as long as you want it to. The group of you stumble back. It's only a couple blocks, but it feels much longer and much shorter all at the same time. You throw open the guild hall. It looks the exact same. But the feeling of home and of comfort permeates. The night winds down and everyone starts saying their goodnights or passing out on chairs or (laughs) on desks of doing. And you each go your separate ways for the evening. Val, knowing the after effects of Mal's wart, has cast protection from poison on himself. (laughs) Very nice. And will head out to the back to check in 
on Sweet Baby Hody. Give that good girl so many scritches. Pick up Colaprico. Put the them, chicken. The chicken. Colaprico the chicken. <laughs> for those, the for those listeners who may not remember. chicken from <laughs> Gary Carr. Chicken. Chickens are. Yep. That was a great reward for stopping the chicken ghoul? ghoul. Poultry guys? Poultry. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, except Colaprico was not the reward, was stolen. Cured uh, yes. by Checker. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Val will put Colaprico kind of tucked under her arm and then go knock on Etris's air quotes laboratory door and then immediately back up out of the splash zone to check on our potion master alchemist and just check he's still alive. The door is kicked open and you hear, oh, you're back. Oh my goodness. I'm I'm so sorry. I didn't come to get you. And you see he is actively stirring five, somehow five pots Mm -hmm. at once. And there are many open flames in here. Again, I'm, I'm real, real sorry. It's just, this is really quite volatile. You get back to it. Just wanted to make sure you're doing good. We'll catch up when you're done with all of those. Please tell me it's not a full moon cycle that you have to turn all five of those. I will tell you that. <laughs> Val will chuckle and say, good night, Etris. I've missed you. Good night, Val. And Hody is doing the thing where her whole body is just pressed up against your leg and is just walking with mm-hmm. you. And eventually goes around to all four of you individually mm-hmm. and licks your face or snuffs otherwise. Mm-hmm. After saying, checking in on Etris, Val will be carrying Colaprico upstairs and then gets ready for bed, tucks herself in and has Colaprico nestled tonight. You know, she's been gone for a while, so Colaprico gets to sleep in the bed tonight. And, <laughs> I think uh, we canonically established that Colaprico's technically not supposed to but often just does anyway. Yeah. Val will just wake up and Colaprico will right. be in the bed. And uh, the two of them bed down for a restful evening. Kaskrin has been trying to get to bed for probably an hour now. But he took a bath, fell asleep in the bath. He went to say goodbye to Berga, fell asleep on the couch on the way there. And now finally... Finally, he is putting on his proper pajamas. Tonight is not a night for his traveling pajamas. He finally gets his real pajamas. And he gets the baby blue silk top, the bottom, the luxurious cotton slippers, the wonderful nightcap, all with like the little stars and everything on them, glass of warm milk. And as his last action with his, you know, barely able to keep his eyes open. <laughs> You've used your move, your bonus action. <laughs> your your action. Uh, he is going to take out the magical, mysterious artifact, the most important thing that he could possibly have gotten before we left for our trip. He gets the cotton eye masks that he ordered and leaves one at everyone's door with a little note on it that says, sleep well tonight. You earned it. And a little drawing of Casper with like his beard and his little hat <laughs> to sign it. 
I imagine checkers added that yes. all later. <laughs> he followed you around yeah, yeah, yeah. and then just <laughs> colored on it. Yep. Co- cotton eye mask, one use only. Yeah. <laughs> Powerful enough to block out two suns. Yeah. <laughs> and then ends up in his own room, in his own bed, and drifts to sleep. Selv makes his way back to the guild hall, but instead of going directly in, actually goes around to the garden and the hot spring mm-hmm. that is back there. Sees a sleeping Kaskrin. Yes, <laughs> there's a sleeping Kaskrin. Uh, His beard is uh, buoyant enough to keep him above water. <laughs> and it's very funny because then his his limbs are made of rock, so he's just like floating <laughs> straight yeah. down, straight, straight, up. straight up, completely vertical. <laughs> but you just see the beard <laughs> just balled up on... Uh, uh, uh. Fascinating. <laughs> just twirling a little bit, just kind of like in a very slow circle. And so Selv will go to the hot spring and what Selv is going to do is go to the edge of the hot spring and Selv begins to cast a spell, Shape Water. One of the things that Shape Water can do is freeze a five foot square block of ice. And so this block of ice kind of pops up to the surface of the water and Selv takes off the, the top of his gi and leaves the, the, the pants on. And he, he just kind of lies out onto this block of ice. And he's just going to sit there for a good half hour, 45 minutes, and just kind of relax on this ice block before going inside. Once that's done, Selv goes into his room and looks at the chessboard with the night piece that has the double spear on it that checkers had given him and then realizes that one of the pieces has moved since last time and that it had to have been checkers and that we are in the middle of a game still so Selv looks at the chessboard just kind of sits down next to it and thinks a little bit and then moves one of the pieces nods to himself and then crawls into bed <laughs> uh, for a good night's sleep placing over his eyes the mask that Cass had left by his door I don't know if Checkers made it home. (laughs) (laughs) I am imagining that Checkers, after a night of drinking, has just turned this bright purple (laughs) and is just stumbling around towards and ports and basically ended up cuddling next to Boyo and Mango, just passed out on the ground. And either someone had to carry him back or they were just like, yeah, he's fine here. (laughs) We'll get him in the morning. But... I think Checkers spends the evening just completely passed out, surrounded by fur and frog and just incredibly warm and comfortable. But uh, he's going to have a real bad headache when he wakes up tomorrow morning. I like to believe that we did bring Checkers home, but he specifically went back out <laughs> yeah. and like told Mango, like, let's go back to Boyo. Yeah. And like went back to Boyo. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, this is where no. I belong. Yeah. And you, you you can vaguely remember the uh, uh, Hira, the bartender, like closing up and yeah. he's still in there and all yeah. the lights are off. Yeah, exactly. Hira, I, I imagine Hira just nods and it's like, if Checker starts anything, Boya will take care of it. Yeah. As the Guilders settle in for the night, and as the Red City settles in for the night, things are peaceful. 
Good night, Gilders. Good night, Donkey curled up on the floor. Good night, streetlights of the Red City. Good night, city dogs. Good night, stack of frogs. Good night, Etris. Good night, Donkey Brush. Good night, Taberga, Whispering Hush. Good night, stars. Good night, air. Good night, adventurers. Everywhere. And that is the end of this arc. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next episode. Yay, that was delightful. That was cute. I love that. Gotta go, Nathan. Yeah. In response, uh, Val, you... Sorry, can you just say that uh, more normally? Yeah. Uh, so yes, just say yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In response, yeah. Uh, Val, in response, you get... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, just the phrase, can you say that more normally? It was very, yeah, yeah. Fun. Less, was very, less, very yeah, funny. Less, more less. normal. Yeah, God, Nathan, be cool. Yeah. Be cool. Say it just like a human word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. You well, know how uh, you said it? Just said it more normally. Say it like good, though. If you could pretend to just be a normal human yeah, being yeah, 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 yeah. for this one, I, great. I am sure I cannot. Okay. <laughs>